Welcome back to the Only You Podcast. This is your host, Lo Jackson, and today I'm going to be going over a wonderful read that um, I think you'll really enjoy called The Jumping Frog by our author this month, Mark Twain. Mark Twain's a really interesting guy, and hopefully that all my audience members can agree that the intricacy in his detailed-oriented putting vision to words to describe the most amazing and breathtaking and beautiful images that he captured throughout his life and just to feel it you feel the depth like when i did the reading uh of the life on the mississippi i felt like he is the only author that could describe the mississippi river Above any other author I've ever read that tried to describe that mighty river. I've been on that river. I've fished it. I've seen it. I grew up here on tributaries of the Mississippi. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. It's a wonderful place. And Mark Twain, he is something. He, He captivates you. He captivates an audience. And he knows how to draw you in without really any try. He just has... Just wonderful, wonderful uh, writings. He, he, I, I've never read anything that ever captivated me as much as I've been captivated this month by the books I've found, the writings, the short stories I've read, I've the stories I've heard that he has done, and that he's just um, he's special, you know. And it's like you don't come across people every day that you know, have that kind of drive, you know, but in May of 1864, Twain challenged a rival Nevada newspaperman with whom he was feuding to a duel, but fled before an actual fight took place, supposedly to avoid being arrested for violating the territory's anti-dueling law. Twain headed to San Francisco where he got a job as a reporter, but soon grew disenchanted with the work and eventually was fired. Later that year, Twain posted bail for a friend who had been arrested in a barroom brawl. When the friend skipped town, Twain, who didn't have the funds to cover the bond, decided he too should get out of San Francisco for a while and traveled to the mining cabin of friends at jackass hill in tolem county california and you guys the jackass hill area was um booming at the time during the 1849 gold rush but actually when twain visited just a small number of miners actually remained there and they had all dissipated while at a bar in a nearby town of angels camp in calaveras county california Twain heard a man tell a tale about a jumping frog contest. When Twain returned to San Francisco in February of 1865, he received a letter from a writer friend in New York asking him to contribute a story to a book he was putting together. Twain decided to send a story based on the jumping frog tale he had heard. However, by the time he got Around to finalizing it, the book had already been published. As it happened, though, the book's publisher sent Twain's piece 
Jim Smiley and his Jumping Frog to the Saturday Press in New York, which ran it on November 18th, 1865. The humorous story turned out to be a big hit with readers and was reprinted across the country, eventually retitled The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County. And this is the story that I'm going to share with you guys today. Again, I really appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for listening to me. And, you know, Samuel Longhorn Clemens is just such a descriptive writer. And hopefully all my audience members can agree that this month, this guy just, he just can really, the short time he was on this earth for, you know, 70 years. And he knew once he came into this world, when Haley's Comet passed through, that he was going to leave when it came back and he did like the day before it passed through he passed away you know and you know he's noted for his novels of you know huckleberry finn which has been called the great american novel and he's and the adventures of tom sawyer those are like huge rights he is also known for his quotations um during his lifetime clemens be, uh became a friend to presidents artists um, leading industrialist and um, European royalty. Clemens enjoyed immense public popularity and his keen wit and incisive satire earned him praise from both critics and peers. American author William Faulkner called Twain the father of American literature. And that's what I know, Marcus, also, and thank you guys for listening to me. This is the only you podcast. This is my second season. Hopefully you've enjoyed Life on the Mississippi, The Prince and the Pulper, and the last one I had did was Luck by Mr. Mark Twain. This has been one of my favoriteest months because I just I grew up on tributaries of the Mississippi River and you know, I grew up with kids that were like, how do you spell Mississippi, you know, and we would take turns, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, and see how fast we could do it, we kind of like t- time each other, and all the kids my age that grew up in the Midwest, we all were raised up knowing the stories of Samuel Clemens, and you know, his pen name Mark Twain, and how wonderful he was, and thank you guys for enjoying this podcast, thank you for sharing me, I'm trying to do my best, and I can always do my best when you guys are supporting me and I'm supporting you too. And this podcast is about books and, you know, books have changed my life. I watched my mom and dad read books throughout my whole entire upbringing. I read to both of my children's uh, mother's stomachs when they were babies. I got them plugged into the library circuit with puppet shows and I would take them there and read them books every day. We would read stuff like Walter the Farting Dog, and we would always have a good laugh. And both of my kids were highly intelligent. And I'm not saying that it was because I read to them or um, it had anything to do with me because your children make their own decisions. But I did guide them in the beginning, and I want to say that hopefully they're still out there reading books when they get their hands on them, just like when I came up with them. They've probably seen me reading books, and I hope that your kids are doing the same for you and you're passing on great reads to your kids. Thank you guys for listening. Always. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. The jumping frog, even a criminal is entitled to fair play. And certainly when a man who has done no harm has been unjustly treated, 
He is privileged to do his best to write himself. My attention has just been called to an article some three years old in a French magazine entitled Revue des Deux Mondes, Review of Some Two Worlds, wherein the writer treats of Les Humoristes Americains, the, these humorist Americans. I am one of these humorist Americans dissected by him and hence the compliment I am making. This gentleman's article is an able one. It is a very good article, and the writer says all manner of kind and complimentary things about me, with which I am sure I thank him with all my heart. But then why should he go and spoil all his praise by one unlucky experiment? What I refer to is this. He says my jumping frog is a short story, but still... He can't see why it should ever really convulse anyone with laughter and straightway proceeds to translate into French in order to prove to his nation that there is nothing so very extravagantly funny about it. Just there, excuse me, yeah, just there is where my compliment originates. So that right there tells you a little about the author. And thank you for listening to the Only You podcast. In compliance with the greatest of a friend of mine who wrote me from the East, I called on good-natured, gallerious old Simon Wheeler and inquired after my friend's friend, Leonidas W. Smiley, as requested to do, I hereunto append the result. I have a lurking suspicion that... Leonidas W. Smiley is a myth that my friend never knew such a patronage and that he only conjunctured that if I asked Old Wheeler about him, it would remind him of his infamous Jim Smiley and he would go to work and bore me to death with some exasperating remnants of him as long as tedious as it should be useless to me. If that was the design, it succeeded. I found Simon Wheeler dozing comfortably by the barroom stove of the dilapidated tavern and the decayed mining camp of angels, and I noticed that he was fat and bald-headed and had an expression of winning gentleness and simplicity upon his tranquil countenance. He roused up and gave me good day. I told him that a friend of mine had commissioned me to make some inquiries about Cheris companion of his old boyhood named Leonidas W. Smiley, Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, a young minister of the gospel, who had heard was at one time a resident of Angel's Camp. I added that if Mr. Wheeler could tell me anything about this Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, I would feel under many obligations to him. 
Simon Wheeler backed me into a corner and blockaded me there with his chair and then sat down and reeled off the monetarist narrative which follows this paragraph. He never smiled. He never frowned. He never changed his voice from the gentle flowing key to which he tuned his initial sentence. He never betrayed the slightest suspicion of enthusiasm, but all through the interminable narrative, there ran a vein of impressive earnestness and sincerity, which showed me plainly that so far from his imagining that there was anything ridiculous or funny about his story, he regarded it as a really important matter and admired its two heroes as men of transcendent genius and fitness. I let him go on his own way and never interrupted him once. Reverend Leonidas W. <clears throat> Reverend Lee. Well, there was a feller here once by the name of Jim Smiley. In the winter of 49, or maybe it was the spring of 50, I don't recollect it exactly. So, somehow, though, what makes me think it was one of the other is because I remember the big flame weren't finished when he come to the camp. But anyway, he was... The curious man about always betting on anything that turned up you ever see. If he could get anybody to bet on the other side, and if he couldn't, he'd change sides. Anyway, that suited the other man would suit him. Anyway, just so he got a, a bet, he was satisfied. But still, he was lucky, uncommon lucky. He most always come out a winner. He was always ready and laying for a chance. There couldn't be no solitary thing mentioned, but the feller'd offer to bet on it and take a race side, you please. As I was just telling you, if if there was a horse race, you'd find him flush or you'd find him busted at the end of it. If there was a dog fight, you'd bet he'd bet on it. If there was a cat fight, he'd bet on it. If there was a chicken fight, he'd bet on it. Why, if there was two birds sitting on a fence, he would bet you which way one would fly first. Or if there was a camp meeting, he'd be there regular to bet on Parson Walker, which he judged to be the best extorter about here. And so he was to a good man. If he even see a straddle bug start to go anyways... He would bet you how long it would take him to get to, to wherever he was going to. And if you took him up, he'd follow that straddle bug to Mexico, but that he would find out where he was bound for and how long he was on the road. Lots of boys here has been that, excuse me, lots of boys here has seen that smiley and can tell you about him. Why, it never made no difference to him. He'd bet on anything. The dangest feller, Parsons Walker's wife, laid very sick once. For a good while. And it seemed as if they weren't going to save her. But one morning, he come in and smiley up and asked him how she was. And he said she was considerably better. Thank the Lord for his infinite mercy. And coming on so smart that with the blessing of Providence, she'd get well yet. And Smiley, before he thought, says, well, I risked two and a half. 
She don't anyway. This year, Smiley had a mar. The boys called her the 15-minute nag. But that was only in fun, you know? Because, of course, she was faster than that. And he used to win money on that horse for all she was so slow and always had the asthma or the distemper or the consumption or something of that kind, they used to give her two or three hundred yards to start and then pass her underway, but always at the fag end of the race. She'd get excited and desperate, like come convorting and straddling up and scattering her legs around limber, sometimes in the air and sometimes out of one side among the fences and kicking up more dust and raising more racket and her coughing and sneezing and blowing her nose. And I always fetch up at the stand just about a neck head as near as you could cipher it down. And he had a little small bull pup that took at him. You'd think he weren't worth a cent, but to sit around and look ornery and lay for a chance to steal something. But as soon as money was up and on him, he was a different dog. His underjawed began to stick out like the faux castle of a steamboat, and his teeth would uncover and shine like the furnaces. And a dog might tackle him and bully rag him and bite him and throw him over his shoulder two or three times. And Andrew Jackson, which was the name of the pub, Andrew Jackson was never let on, but. He was satisfied and hadn't expected nothing else. And the bets being doubled and doubled on the other side all the time till the money was all up. And then all of a sudden, he would grab that other dog just by the junt of his hind leg and freeze to it. Not chaw, you understand, but only just grip and hang on to the throat up the sponge. If it was a year... Smiley always come out winner on that pup till his heart till he harnessed a dog once that didn't have no hind legs because they'd been sawed off in a circular saw accident and when the thing had gone along far enough and the money was all up and he come to make a snatch for his pet halt he see in a minute how he'd been imposed on and how the other dog had him in the door so so to speak and he appeared surprised and then he looked sort of discouraged like didn't try no more to win the fight and so he got shucked out bad and he gives smiley a look as much as to say his heart was broke and it was his fault for putting up a dog that had no hind legs for him to take hold of which was his main dependence in a fight. And then he limped off a piece, laid down, and died. It was, a, it, was, it was a good pup. That was Andrew Jackson. Would have made a name for himself if he had if he'd lived. For the stuff was in him. He'd, he's genius. I know, because he had no opportunity to speak of, and it don't stand no reason that a dog could make such a fight as he could under them circumstances if he had no talent. 
It always makes me feel sorry when I think of that last five of his and the way it turned out. Well, Thursday, Smiley had ratateers and chicken cocks and tomcats and all them kinds of things till you couldn't rest. And you couldn't fetch nothing for him to bet on, but he'd match you. He catched a frog one day and took him home and said he'd calculated to educate him and so he'd never done nothing for three months but sat in his backyard learned that frog to jump and you bet he did learn him too he'd give him a little punch behind the next minute you'd see that frog whirling in the air like a donut see him turn one somersault see him turn one somersault or maybe a couple if he got a good start and come down that flat foot and all right like a cat, he got him up so in the matter of catching flies and kept him in practice so constant that he'd nail a fly every time as far as he could see him. Smiley said all Frog wanted was education, and he couldn't do most anything, and I believe him. Why haven't him set uh, Daniel Webster down here on his floor. Daniel Webster was the name of the frog, and and, uh, and sing out, you know, uh, flies. Daniel frog. Daniel flies, and quicker and like you could wink, he'd spring straight up and sneak a fly off the counter there, and hop down on the floor, agging as solid as a gob of mud, and fall to the scratch in the side of his head with a. Hind foot, as indifferent as if he would no idea he'd been doing any more than any frog might do. He never see a frog so modest and straightforward as he was, for all he was so gifted. And then, well, and when it come to fair and square jumping on a dead level, he he'd get over more ground at one straddle than any animal of his breed you ever seen. Jumping on dead level is a a strong suit, you you understand? When it come to that, Smiley, that Annie that would Annie up money on him as long as he had a red. Smiley was monstrous proud of his frog. And well, he might be it for fellas that had traveled and been everywhere else's. All said he laid over any frog that Ever they see. Well, Smiley kept the beast in the little lattice box, and he used to fetch him downtown sometimes and lay for a bet. One day, a fellow, a stranger in the camp, he was coming across him with his box, and he says, uh, "What might it be that you got in that there box?" Smiley says, sort of indifferent, like it might be a parrot or it might be a canary. Maybe it ain't. It's only just a frog, man. And the fella took it and looked at it carefully and turned it around this way and that and says, Hmm, so tis well what he's good for. Well, Smiley says, easy and careless. He's good enough for one thing. I should judge he can outjump any frog in Calaveras County. Feller took the box again and took another long, particular look and gave it back to Smiley and says very deliberate, Well, he says I don't see no 
Pence, about that frog. That's any better than any other frog. Maybe you don't, Smiley says. Maybe you understand frogs, and maybe you don't understand them. Maybe you've had experience. Maybe you ain't only an amateur, as it were. Anyways, I've got my opinion, and I'll rest $40 that it can outjump any frog in Calaveras County, sir. And the feller studied a minute, then says, kind of sad, like, well, I'm only a stranger here, and I ain't got no frog, but if I had a frog, I'd bet you. And then Smiley says, that's all right. That's all right. All right, all right, all right. If you'll hold my box a minute, I'll go and get you a frog. And so the fella took the box and put up his $40 along with Smiley's and sat down to wait. So, he sat there a good while thinking and, and thinking to himself, and then he got the frog out and pried his mouth open and took a teaspoon and filled him full of quail shot. Filled him pretty near up to his chin and set him on the floor. Smiley went to the swamp and slopped around mud for a long time. And finally, he catched a frog. He fetched him in and gave him to this feller and says, Now, if you're ready, set him alongside Daniel. With his forepaws just even with Daniel's, and I'll give the word. Then he says, One, two, three, get! And him and the feller touched up the frogs from the behind. And the new frog hopped off lively, but Daniel gave a heave and husted up his shoulders like a Frenchman, but it weren't no use. He couldn't budge. He was planted as solid as a church, and he couldn't no more stir than if he was anchored out. Smiley was a good deal surprised, and he was disgusted too, but he didn't have no idea what the matters was, of course. The fellow took the money and started away and when he was going out the door whoa now back to this great read the jumping frog of Calaveras County now if you be ready put up him all against Daniel with there be four feet upon the same line, and I give the signal, then he added, one, two, three, advance. Him and the individual touched their frog behind, and the frog knew, excuse me, and the frog knew put to jump smartly, but Daniel himself lifted ponderously exalted and shoulder thrust like a Frenchman. To what good? He could not budge. He is planned solid like a church. He not he not advanced no more than one him had put at the anchor. Smiley was surprised and disgusted, but he not himself doubted not of the turn being intended. The individual and pocketed the silver himself with it, went and of himself in going is it that he no gives 
not a jerk of a thumb over the shoulder like that at the poor Daniel, and saying with his air deliberate, I, I know, see, not that frog has nothing up better than any other. Smiley himself scratched long times the head and eyes fixed upon Daniel until that which at last he said, I me demand how the devil it makes itself that this beast has refused. Is it that she had something? One will believe that it is stuffed. He grasped Daniel by the skin of the neck. Him lifted and said, The wolf me biteth. He no weigh no five pounds. He him reversed and unhappy belts two handfuls of shot. When Smiley recognized how it was, he was like mad. He deposited his frog by the earth and ran after that individual. But he not him but he not him caught never. Such is a jumping frog to the distorted French eye. I claim that I never put together such an odious mixture of bad grammar and delirium tremendous in my life. And what has a poor foreigner like me done to be abused and misrepresented like this? Well, I say, well, I do see no ints about that frog. There's any better than any other frog. Is it kind? Is it just for this Frenchman to try to make it appear that I said, eh bien, I know saw, not that the frog had nothing better than each frog. I have no heart to write more. I never felt so about anything before. Thank you guys for listening to the Only You podcast. And hopefully you've enjoyed that read. And... I do want to say that Mark Twain is a fascinating writer that he can just switch it up in an instant and, you know, draw you in. Uh, and a few more things about Mark Twain. Many of his works have been uh, suppressed at times for various reasons, like The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn has been uh, repeatedly restricted in American high schools, not least for its frequent use of the n-word a slur commonly used for black people in the 19th century you know but i think hopefully people are educated enough to know that we don't use that word anymore and we know that it's caused nothing but separation and division and it was wrong and i don't think we can hold mark twain accountable when so many people were so accepting of those terms back then, and he was just brought up around that stuff. And, you know, to write about the times isn't to play favor and not write about what is really going on and how people really are. Because, you know, any everybody in every culture has fakeades of how they act and how they behave. And, unfortunately, we're faced with these fakeades today of, you know, People just being fake and false. And, you know, Twain was writing for the Virginia City newspaper, um, the, the Territorial Enterprise, in 1863, when he met a lawyer named Tom Fitch, editor of the competing newspaper Virginia Daily Union, and known as the Silver Tongue Orator of the Pacific. 
Ain't that crazy? I thought that was kind of cool to um, uh, include that. Um, I love Mark Twain um, or Samuel Clemens. Uh, he's one of the greatest writers I've come across, and Twain is a just a genius. At, he's a lyrical genius, and his writings continue to get studied by people to this day and here's some more stuff about him on june 8th 1867 he set sail on the pleasure cruiser quaker city for five months and this trip resulted in the innocence abroad or the new pilgrim's progress which are some of his writings in 1872 he published his second piece of travel literature roughing it as an account of his journey from the Missouri to Nevada, his subsequent life in the American West, and his visit to Hawaii. The book lampoons American and Western society in the same way that Innocence critiqued the various countries of Europe and the Middle East. Uh, his next works was The Gilded Age, A Tale of Today, and his first attempt at writing a novel, the book written with his neighbor Charles Dudley Warner, is also his only collaboration work that he's ever done. Uh, Twain's next work drew on his experience on the Mississippi, which I've read that one to you guys. Oh, no, 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 this is a different one. This is just a, oh, this Old Times on the Mississippi. So that's that was a series of sketches uh, published in the Atlantic Monthly in 1875. I didn't read that to you, sorry. So thank you guys for listening, and hopefully you all get out there and check these books out. And learn some stuff about some of these authors. And hopefully you're enjoying my new format that I've created for you guys. And if you're not, please reach out. Let me know. Onlyyoupodcast2022 at gmail.com You know, I'm here. I'm listening. I am open to suggestions of authors that you think are interesting. Um, I don't want to do authors of today because technically you can't due to copyright infringement laws and... I'm not trying to break the law. I just want to share book reading and let you know that it is awesome. You can learn a lot. You can educate yourself. You don't need schooling at all times. That you can be a teacher and a student to yourself in many different ways and areas of your life. And, you know, if you can share the things you learn with somebody, maybe you'll entice them to become something better and, you know, be able to live life to the fullest and have no drawbacks. Thank you guys for listening again. I love you and take care of yourselves.